One of my good friends, Ben Colahan, had some thoughts about the latest episode, Who Are You? And I thought he, he does a really nice job articulating a sort of alternative view to some of the arguments that I made and presented in the episode. So I recorded our conversation, and I'm just including it here as a bonus. If you haven't already listened to the episode, Who Are You? Then I highly recommend you go and do that, because a lot of this conversation makes reference to that episode. Enjoy, and I will see you on our next full-length episode. My name is Ben Colahan. I am a pastor at Faith Lutheran Church in Chico, California, and a longtime listener of Reductio. So you, you listened to uh, the Who Are You episode. That's correct. My wife and I listened to it on a road trip to the beach. We uh, had very passionate conversation as we were listening <laughs> to it. So, yeah, tell me uh, your reaction. Well, so... Uh, at the start of the show, with the transporter question, going in, I very much agreed with you, Andrew, that yes, right, if you step into a transporter, you die. But by the end of the episode, I had completely changed my mind. And I'm convinced at the end of the episode that, in fact, I should step into the transporter. Um, and that change came about because I think the episode helped me clarify my understanding of self. Uh, and in the episode you present, right, there's the psychological understanding of self and there's sort of this uh, animalist body understanding of self. And I realized that whereas the psychological understanding of self um, initially made more sense to me, it's all an internal understanding of self. And I realized I actually conceive of myself as a narrative that's being told not just by me, but by my community around me. And so my understanding of self is a story that's, that's held in common, right? I have parents who tell me stories about myself as a child. I have no memories of those stories. And yet those stories have come to influence greatly how I understand myself. Um, I have a good friend of mine who in college as was discussed in your episode, uh, would sometimes drink to the point of excess. Once again, I do not endorse this, and he has since stopped. But uh, <laughs> when he would do so, he would get to the point where he would start behaving in ways that he would have no memory of when he would awake. And one of the most common ways is that he would urinate in inappropriate places. You know, he'd just wake up in the middle of the night, walk towards a direction, uh, stop, and and let loose and like, you know, be that someone's bed or the hallway or like if we're camping, someone's sleeping bag, the side of the tent, you know. Uh, he, he has no memory of any of these things, but you better believe all his friends do. And that is now a central part of who he is, right? That collective story we've told about him. And in the, in the example of the, um, uh, what's the brave general, uh, that mm -hmm. thought experiment, yeah. you know, I visit many people who are in nursing homes uh, and dementia and Alzheimer's has devastated their memory. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet uh, when I go visit them because of their friends and families and my own relationship with them, I tell a story about who this person is that contains so much of their life that they have forgotten, right? Mm -hmm. We collectively say, you know, this is a person who did all these things, and that's still that person. Mm -hmm. um, and it occurs to me, right, sort of the negative of this is true. If, 
if someone had amnesia, say they're in a car accident, they get amnesia and they wake up, their friends and their family are still going to tell them, hey, this is who you are. And, mm-hmm. and they may not have any memory of their past, but right, we are defined in large part by the relationships that we have. And so long mm-hmm. as those are intact, there is a sense in which that person may have changed because of the amnesia, but they're still the same person. Their story is now that they had this, this defining moment. Or if parts of our body are replaced, the story is, hey, we were this, uh, this person and these changes have occurred to our body. But say you um, are like in a, a, a boat and you know, you're shipwrecked out to sea and you wash up on shore on an island and you have amnesia and the people who find you have no way to know who you are, right? You've got no identification on you, uh, say they don't have cell phones or anything. In that mm-hmm. moment, if there is no one who can connect the story prior to your amnesia and post-amnesia, then in that moment, I truly do think you are a new person, right? You are no Mm. longer the same person anymore. Right. Uh, And so um, what what this tells me is, okay, myself is the story that is told about me. And I guess, so because of that, right, if I were to step into a transporter, it may be that, you know, uh, the me that steps into that transporter dies. But I think the truth is, right, we, we all die every moment of every single day. I, and this is where I, I do actually believe in that Buddhist concept, right, that there, there is no permanent, unchanging self, that uh, anatman mm-hmm. that, that was mentioned in your episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to say... If somehow technology can reconstitute me to the point on the other side where I contain all my memories mm-hmm. and I maintain all my relationships, then, then I truly think I am the same person insofar as the story of Ben that's being told continues. Good. So we might think that so like first let me just say I right, basically I think I agree with this like narrative view of the self. I I at least find it really compelling and it sort of coheres nicely with some other kind of um, commitments that I have philosophically about how meaning is created and how most things are rooted in human practices and human communities rather than in individuals or individual minds or even individual bodies and stuff. And so I'm um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but, But I do wonder if it's sort of unconstrained narrative view of the self. So it's, it's worth noting that you, you have a view that lots of philosophers take very seriously is the narrative view of the self. And I don't, I don't actually know the literature that well, but I, I take it that most people are going to want to constrain to some extent the power that narratives have to make someone the same person. Okay. And um, I, I would think, um, at least in, intuitively, like, like my first intuition is that one thing that we might want to constrain is if your body is you know dissolved then the even a narrative can't make you the same person over time and so that's kind of what one of the motivations behind my 
my first uh, my my tirade at the beginning of my episode about how you, you yeah, died, which yeah. which I don't which I don't mm-hmm. buy. Um, so right, our our body completely uh, regenerates its mm-hmm. cells uh, multiple times over the course right. of our life. Right. So if we're going to take a view of like we have to be physically the same, well, we're not. Good. Yeah. Um, You may think like we should continuously function or something like that. Okay. Um, Yeah. So this is the so this is the other thing. Right. Okay. Because of the pandemic, we started broadcasting our church's worship services over mm -hmm. YouTube. And YouTube has this thing where, you know, if if the Internet glitches out for a few seconds, YouTube will say, oh, well, the stream stopped and and it'll stop broadcasting it. Even if the internet comes back a few seconds mm-hmm. later, the live stream is over and we have to set up a whole new live stream and tell people, all right, here's like how you connect to it and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and to me, right, that that's the view that, oh, if your body stops mm-hmm. working, then yourself has mm-hmm. stopped, right? That original live stream is over. Yeah. And yet, right, I feel like the glitch, that's a, that's a glitch in YouTube <laughs> that it can't figure out, oh, when the, when the internet comes back, it should actually just pick right. up the live stream. Uh, and I, I guess I, I hope our, our mm-hmm. self is better <laughs> than that, right? If we're going to believe in sort of a metaphysical universe where there's a soul or something created by God, I, I hope that God is better <laughs> than that. But but even if you want to bracket that right. question, people die all the time mm-hmm. for minutes mm-hmm. and then they come back. Right. And, and everyone says, well, that's the same person. They just died and they came back. Right. And so the question then becomes like, you know, if if part of your concern is that the body has to be continuously functioning for us to be the same self, yeah. how how long is that gap? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, before you know, the person who comes back is not the same person. And it's similar to cases like cryogenic freezing in a way, like um, like sure. Fry and um, Futurama, where he gets frozen for two thousand years or something. And so you might think, well, his body's not functioning for 2000 years or it's functioning so slowly that we wouldn't say that it is functioning at all. And then it gets unfrozen and no one has a problem thinking Fry's the same as, you know, 1990 Fry or whenever he is, is right. the same as to, you know, the year 3000 Fry. So yeah, that that's kind of in favor of your, your argument here. Yeah. So I, so the concern about, you know, the body coming apart and coming back together again, that doesn't bother me. And I think when you were talking about like the hypothetical in- instances with a transporter where it's like, you know, uh, you get beamed up, but you don't get beamed out for 16 years and your body is just kind of uh, in limbo mm-hmm. or, you know, there's like a schematic of you that's not put together for 16 years. Are you the same person when you come mm-hmm. out? Well, like if we are defined by our relationships in the world around us, no, we're not the same person, but like... I also don't have a problem thinking that in the sense of, well, I've got the same memories as when I went in. uh, And when people tell my story, they will say, well, he went into the transporter and then he was stuck in there for 16 years and then he came out. Uh, And I think of myself the same way. So 
I don't see any reason why the answer would be no to that. Good. Yeah, right? it's like it seems like I am the same person. It's like every, all the pieces seem to be in the right place, right? You have the, your own experience of yourself as yourself, your memories. There's there's mm-hmm. some psychological continuity there where your memories are continuous and your experience is the same and your habits and dispositions and all those those mental right. and you know mental body things are all the same. Your body has the same structure and is functioning correctly and in the same way. And everyone looks at you and recognizes that it's you. And so all the pieces are in the right place. So it's it's different from your island example from before. Or um, there's I'm gonna do a little bit of a spoiler here. I don't think it's the most serious spoiler, but it's from the Broken Earth trilogy, where, oh, where okay. Shafa. Um, you you read that right. Yeah. I did, I and did. So so Shafa has this cataclysm and then he comes back and um, he's kind of a good guy afterward. He's, mm. he's, he's a bad mm-hmm. guy and then he has a cataclysm, loses all of his memory and everyone around him doesn't remember him right. either. And, and then right. he kind of turns into a good guy for this latter yeah. half of the trilogy. And so it's kind of interesting because he really does sort of become a different person. Um, right. And yeah, and I think in that instance, you can say, right, he is now a new person because mm-hmm. there is no narrative continuity for himself right. or for anyone around him. Now, the question becomes, right, in, in the Broken Earth trilogy, there's a third person omniscient perspective. Right. Uh, and, you, you know, this is where we, we leave philosophy and get into theology right. if there is such a perspective uh, in our reality as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think... So, right, I have, a, I have certain commitments there. I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, yes, I do think there is someone who has that third-person omniscient perspective on us. And so, while I would say, you know, in that desert island instance, uh, there is a person before the shipwreck and a different person after the shipwreck, I, I sort of believe on, on the day of resurrection, mm-hmm. God will put those stories together right. and say, hey, look, Here's the actual narrative that that you had. Um, And since now we're on the topic of God, (laughs) I I think theologically, uh, you mentioned, you know, this question of what is our self is of central concern to to the Judeo-Christian Islamic tradition Mm -hmm. uh, because of the question of resurrection. And, And for me, fundamental to the question of resurrection uh, is the promise that we will have both uh, some sort of psychological spiritual identity that we can connect to our pre-resurrection self, but we'll also have some sort of physical mm-hmm. body, right? The scriptures are adamant. We will have some body. It won't be exactly like the body we have now. Right. It will be perfected in the way that, you know, an acorn and an oak tree mm-hmm are the same being, but they look radically different. Um, And the promise in resurrection is that it can survive death, right? Your continuity can survive death. You can be turned into dust and ash and scattered to the ends of the earth. And God can gather that together again uh, in a way in which uh, when life is returned to it, it will truly be you in the most fundamental way. So I think up to this point, all my arguments have been sort of uh, a, rejecting metaphysics and say, no, we are just sort of this narrative self. But to say, even if you're going to accept a metaphysical view uh, of uh, an eternal self, mm-hmm. uh, 
the metaphysics that I am committed to, which is the Christian metaphysics, mm -hmm. promises us that we can be broken up into little bits, we can cease living, and we can be put back together. And ourself, you know, however we understand that, can survive that process. Mm -hmm. um, now, certainly just because God can do something doesn't mean we can do it. <laughs> but uh, right to me, that lays down the, the theoretical metaphysical foundation to say this should be possible. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and if, if we're going to play hypothetical uh, thought experiments, right. like, let's go with it. <laughs> um, and to say if, you know, if we are simply the story that, that is told about mm -hmm. us, well, then, like, I want my story to be one where I can be transported across the stars <laughs> to have adventures uh, that will enhance my experience and add grandeur to the stories that are told about right. me. Right. So I say I say beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, I um so I think partially I'm motivated by examples like you see in Prestige and examples like I had in in the in the episode where I say like there are cases where maybe there's a a break between when you get reduplicated and then when the first one dies. Um, which, you know, it's completely consistent with the idea of transportation because one person right. dissolves, another person is, yep. is resolved and, um, you, you could get dissolved too late, right? Or you could get dissolved yeah. a little later. And that's what happens in prestige, you know, spo again, spoiler alert, but that's a pretty old movie. <laughs> sure. And, uh, you know, he, there's a time when they're both there. And um, so it makes me think I, I want to be able to decide who is who. So is, is one thing. Um, and, and maybe the answer is neither is, is possible. Or both. Or, or both. Yeah, both, both starts to get a little weird um, for, for me. Why? <laughs> well, okay. So why can't there be two of the same person? One one example I think is illustrated in Doctor Who pretty well, and okay. again, spoiler, but this is in like the second season of the new reboot, so that's like again right, pretty old. Yeah. So Rose falls in love with the Doctor, right? Then a copy of the Doctor is made, and then Rose and the copy end up in a pocket universe on the other side of a void, never to be heard from again. So uh -huh. Rose gets a Doctor. But uh -huh. not her doctor. And she like, you know, I'm sure learns to love the other doctor and, and stuff who's a copy. Um, but it's not her doctor. And so I think like relationships like love are fundamentally particular relationships. Right. Sure. You can't you can't actually be in love with the idea of someone. You have to be in love with the with the the actual individual self. And so if it, if it's possible for there to be two Andrews. Then all of a sudden, um, Kelly, it's like I, I almost think like there can't be a love relationship anymore or or you're just in some strange polyamorous situation or something. But but it's like <laughs> the the love relationship is a love with a particular person. So I, I entirely agree. And what I would say is right in the moment of duplication, mm -hmm. 
if we truly have two Andrews who've been who are physically identical, who have the same mental structure, same memories, all these things, right? In that moment, Kelly Marie doesn't yet know which one is her mm -hmm. Andrew. Right. And it will take time for her to know which one is her Andrew. Mm -hmm. But right, that's a that's a question that's still defined by the the relationships both internally and externally. Mm -hmm. And to say it could be, you know, in, in my mind, one of those Andrews will become Kelly Marie's Andrews. Mm -hmm. It could also be that neither of those Andrews, right? Like people fall out of love. Right. Uh, be, we have changes in our lives that change who we are. And suddenly people say, oh, actually, the particular who you are is not someone I, I connect with anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and to say this is certainly a transformative moment in Andrew's story. Mm -hmm. What comes of it, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for Kelly Marie... It may be that because as soon as right, as soon as you divide, you stop being the same mm -hmm. person. Right. There's uh, Andrew Alpha, Andrew Beta, or even you're right. Even that maybe uh, tries to prioritize one over the other. Yeah. But to say is one more real than the other? Is is one the truer Andrew? Yeah. No, it's simply one of these Andrews will have a more meaningful relationship with Kelly Marie. Right. And the other Andrew will do something else. And I think, right, if if we are the story that's told about us, one of those Andrews will have a story in which this weird thing happens and there's like a copy of me now wandering the earth somewhere, but I, you know, the rest of my life's fine. One of those Andrews will say, you know, I had this weird experience and I realized it was time for me to take a different path in life. Mm -hmm. And so there's a copy of me that decided to stay home with Kelly Marie. Mm -hmm. And it right, it could also be the both were like, whoa, you know, now seeing a second version of myself, I realized I need to do some more uh, understanding of who I am and maybe both leave Kelly Marie or maybe both do stick around somehow. So, right, in, in a marriage, <laughs> yes, right, it sort of gets a, a little funky with polyamory, but it's not inconceivable, right? There's many historical mm -hmm. uh, stories about polyamory, certainly many in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but say say we go like a different relationship. So I, I think about this as a pastor. Mm -hmm. If I were to be duplicated... Mm -hmm. Right, it could be one version of myself says, I don't want to be a pastor, they go off. Yeah. Could be that both versions of myself say, I don't want to be a pastor. It could be both versions of Ben say, I want to be a pastor at Faith Lutheran <laughs> Church. Mm -hmm. Right? I think I'd work well with myself. <laughs> um, I, maybe not. <laughs> but to say, in that instance, I think what would happen is, right, the story would be Ben became two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two people said, the relationships I had before my duplication, I want to maintain after my duplication. And if both Bens want to maintain those relationships, well, yes, over time, each Ben will, will have unique experiences with each person. Mm -hmm. But I think the story of Ben will be, Ben became two. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I guess I don't see a problem with that. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it seems to me that the story most naturally would be Ben becomes two people and then you can't tell a unified story of Ben anymore. And so there's a Ben Alpha and a Ben Beta and and there's just two Bens and, and that's like this really cool story in itself, but it, but it's yeah. not one story anymore. You know, right. and although, right, it depends on how you tell it. <laughs> there's there's lots of novels that have more than one protagonist. Right. I think you could tell it that way. Yeah. So I wonder if the narrative view of self can make room for the idea that there might be multiple protagonists. You know, it's like how how far do we go with the sort of analogy of a narrative, and when we're deciding on who what what selves are and and who who gets to be the self and all that kind of stuff right. you might you might think well we can't go so far as to have a single self that has two persons as that single self i i i got some news for you here as a christian <laughs> ever heard of something called the trinity <laughs> right literally right. Our, our fundamental conception of personhood comes from the idea mm-hmm. that there is one being who is comp- who is three persons right is it is is the trinity one self so th- there's these different concepts and they can most people think they can kind of come apart and go stick together in weird ways self person um agent and then and then other things like human or or being right and so there might be one being of god um but multiple selves um the the it seems pretty clear that there are multiple persons in the in the godhead of the trinity um yeah and then are they different selves is kind I of don't. Tricky. I don't know if I've ever seen the category of self used in reference to the Trinity, yeah. so I, I don't know what the official stance on that. But certainly, right, the idea of one being, mm-hmm. right? There are three persons who share one being, right. and and that um, seems even. You don't even have to go to the Trinity for that, right? Because you could have, um, like, there's cases like the um, the Steve Martin and um, Lily Tomlin movie where they end up occupying one one body. For a time, and so there, there's okay. one being there in a way, but there are two persons occupying one being, or or maybe you would think those are that is two beings because they're they're sort of psychological beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's Nestorianism. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where there's like two separate beings who embody the body of Jesus oh, Christ. Okay. Okay. There's like the God and the human souls right. that are stuck in Jesus's body. Yeah. Uh, so that's a heresy which gets condemned in the <laughs> fifth century. Um, but to say, right, no, like on a deeper level, it's like, right, it's the same, right, the, the the deepest level of who we are, like our fundamental existence is one being mm-hmm. within the Trinity. Um, and yet they are separate persons and, and sort of are... Right, the modern Western idea of what does it mean to be a person comes out of the theological debates trying to understand right. that. Yeah, so I, I guess my my summary is I really like a lot of your arguments. I find some of them fairly compelling. I, I'm stuck. I, I don't really have like so much a settled view on this, even though I, I, I was for sure. <laughs> um, when, I, when I made the episode, I was pretty settled on the fact that you die when you go in a transporter. I still lean that way because of examples like the one in the episode or the prestige-like example where it's like 
what if the you don't get dissolved right away and there are two of you and one of you's gonna die? It's like, well, that's gonna suck for me. It's not like, oh good, I'll continue on, my story will continue. I mean, that is part of it. That's certainly better than just dying, right? Sure. Um, but it's not as good <laughs> as continuing to live myself. And so cases like that really lead me to think a narrative view of self is constrained in important ways. Or we have to just adopt a sort of pluralism where we say, yeah, there's a narrative view of myself and I really care about that narrative and that constitutes who I am a lot. I also really care about myself from my own perspective. And that's Mm -hmm. part of why Alzheimer's is horrible, right? Is because you died to yourself in a certain way. Yep. Even if you're not dead to the people around you yep. and and you're still going on, you lose a lot of yourself. And that's horrible, yep. right? Um, yeah. and so, that, so that makes me think the narrative can't be everything, but the narrative is extremely important for all these reasons you've laid out. And it could be even so important that we might, that a lot of people might be comfortable stepping into a transporter. But I think for me, I am like, I'm I'm deeply uncomfortable with the idea that the the me right here right now would would probably just cease to exist at that point. And there's going to be a very similar me that's doing other cool stuff. And I do care about that, but I don't it doesn't like ameliorate the problem for me. Yeah, I I guess my response is to say we don't die once. Right, We die every second of our lives Mm -hmm. because the self who existed a minute ago is not the self who exists now. And in fact, the only time we stop changing is when we die the last time, Mm -hmm. right? Death is when we stop changing. Life is changing. And so I guess I'm more comfortable with the idea of like, I'm going to undergo a profound change right now, but I will continue on in some way that's not as I am now. And I'm okay with that because I understand that when I go to bed tonight and I wake up tomorrow, the Ben who existed today will be dead. Who would have thought that you'd be the better Buddhist of the two of us? <laughs> <laughs> I, so actually in seminary, I, uh, I was required to take a, a class on a different tradition from a practitioner of that tradition, from mm. that tradition. So I, I took a course on uh, Theravada Buddhism from a Sri Lankan mm. monk. And it actually, that was the class that helped me uh, make my peace with the understanding of the Trinity. Mm. Uh, because I, I think actually, you know, a lot of Christian metaphysics is built on uh, pagan Greek mm-hmm. philosophy. And I think if we're going to take a non-biblical metaphysical system, I think Buddhism actually offers a, a lot more to help us understand what Jesus is talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, cool. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, Andrew. Keep putting out these podcasts. People, support him on Patreon. Even a dollar or two a month makes a difference. It does. It does. It does. (laughs) What happens when two great minds enter into an epic battle to enlighten each other? Each of us has something in mind to teach the other person. We're not just going to state it up front, and we're not going to take turns. Philosophy versus Improv is a show where anything can happen. You might hear talking. When you have kids, they're born with kids, and those kids are born with kids. You might hear more talking. 
you know, SpongeBob, I want to say is his boss in the little burger stand is just grouchy. But is he evil? You might hear pauses between people talking. Is the death of improv thinking too hard, pausing too long? But this is not just a talk show. Your hosts, Mark Linsenmeyer of the Partially Examined Life Philosophy Podcast. Downloaded 40 million times. And Bill Arnett of the Chicago Improv Studio. I'm the author of the book, The Complete Improviser. Have things to teach you about life. Who is death bad for? If I disappear, there's no one there to be harmed anymore. Creativity. Ruining a bad idea is easy. Humor. Yeah, trying to construct an actual joke, that's not worth anybody's effort. Being present. We are in the moment, hearing our words for the first time. We are reacting to them and living in the reality that they create. Presenting yourself. I am not a duck. I am my own creature. And much more. How do you read people's minds? My answer is you're reading people's minds all the time. The pen is mightier than the hand ripping the heart unaided by a sword out of a chest. A fascist Nazi vampire shoe salesman in a world of fascist Nazi vampires is just a shoe salesman. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed and learn more at philosophyimprov.com. I think it's a great idea. Bankrupt.